0: Aaron, Polly and Wayne I'm Aaron this is Paul
1: and this is Wayne
0: so you know uh, Tim is still out on sick leave and uh, but we're, we're glad to see that that Wayne has uh, has recovered from his uh, short-term uh, disability his uh, his coronavirus that he had last week so <laughs> welcome back Wayne.
1: My inability to wake up at a decent time of the morning. That, that, that's, the, that's the predominant
0: <laughs> symptom, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. You know, I
0: I, uh, I I wound up taking a nap for like four hours yesterday.
2: And I woke up. <laughs> at that, that like, point, God, it's not taking a nap, Aaron. It's just falling asleep. I,
0: I, I got up. And I'm like, God, I just really kind of shit the whole day away. And I was like. Well, what else was I gonna do? (laughs) You know, which is kind of the world we're in right now, right? I I hate it
1: when I do that on a weekend. I normally would,
0: but
2: you know, it feels like now is a good time to get caught up on things like sleep that I don't normally
0: get and TV, right? Yeah, oh yeah, Yeah. because you know, I I have uh, I have been watching a lot more television. And not like, you know, like watching television like late at night you kind of thing and on the weekends. So I watched <laughs> – this, this will tell you how bad it's gotten. Uh, you guys probably aren't familiar with this show, but it's called The Big Valley, and it was a 1968 uh, television western featuring uh, Lee Majors. Uh, I, I've been watching that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's on the it's on the stars channel and streaming app and i've been uh i, I was like oh wow this is great you know <laughs> I, I i and one of the things i find amazing about that show and I, I won't spend much time on this but the you know they didn't used to back in those days they didn't really serialize stories in uh, primetime, and the first three episodes are really three parts of of one story and i'm like you know they always say that 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 phenomenon didn't happen until the 90s but uh, it was right there in you know this 1968 television western. Uh, anyway, I've been streaming a ton of stuff, and I mean, to I had a double feature on Friday night, and the first was a beautiful movie. I I, I cannot express how much I enjoyed this movie, The Two Popes, on Netflix. Uh, Is that a movie? It's, it's, it
2: looked like a, I didn't know if it was a movie or a TV show. I've heard of it. I've just yeah, it. it's
0: a, it's a movie. It was you know, uh, nominated for an Academy Award. Uh, I I I I really can't express how much I enjoyed that movie. And because I was having such a such a uh, positive experience Friday night, I I decided to make it a double feature with uh, Sylvester Stallone's Last Blood. Um, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, you, that is not let, a great movie. <laughs> no,
1: because that no. logically comes after two popes. <laughs> exactly,
0: exactly. This this beautiful film about you know theology and brotherhood and friendship, uh, <laughs> uh, followed up by Last Blood, which I mean you know is bad two minutes into the movie. Oh yeah, I, I mean the the stink. Uh, I mean, it is literally like somebody crapped the bed. I mean, it is just stink all over that movie. Which and you're watching the movie
2: because I really yeah. like the first I really like the the last one, the fourth
0: one. You know, the thing about a Rambo movie is that there is generally a level of quality you can anticipate. Yeah. Now it's not high quality, but no. it's a level of quality, right? And you you know that you know you might get above that line, but you know you're not gonna go below that line. <laughs> and this this thing was below zero the entire movie. I mean, everything about this movie is bad. Directing is bad. Writing is bad. The acting is bad. The camera work is bad. I mean, everything about this movie is terrible. It's a revenge film. And you expect certain things from a revenge film, but it's not even a clever revenge film. Death Wish did it better 30 years ago. Yeah. I, I was just, I was stunned at how bad it is because we know Sylvester Stallone is actually a rather competent actor. Yeah. We know that Sylvester Stallone is actually a rather competent writer. I could not get over how ungodly bad this movie was. And the only reason I watched it from beginning to end is it was like a car wreck. (laughs) You couldn't take your eyes off of it. And I'm like, I could have written... Literally, I'm thinking, I could have written a better script for them in an afternoon.
2: Mm -hmm. It is a
1: terrible, terrible movie. God, it is so bad. I had that exact reaction when I watched the first episode of Titans. Oh, Wayne. (laughs) So (laughs) I I will tell you, I mean, you know I like Titans.
2: Yeah.
0: But I will tell you that Titans is an Academy Award-nominated endeavor (laughs) versus Rambo Last Blood because, (laughs) holy shit, it's a bad movie. And it's a bad movie because, you know, the whole idea of this film is to create a scenario where Rambo lures the bad guys to his ranch so that he can weaponize his ranch against them. That's the whole idea. And you know that going in when they walk you through his tunnels under his ranch. And you're like, oh, okay, well, we're going to do something here. So the whole thing, the, the, uh, the abduction, rape, essential murder of his niece uh, is all a tool to have him draw these people to his ranch so that he can kill them. But there are no stakes because instead of him having somebody there at his ranch that he has to protect – he sent all those people away. The only people at risk are Rambo and all the uh, the uh, drug dealers. How's that going to turn out? I mean, I'm watching this, going, "This is just porn." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, this is just we're, we're just waiting for the cum shot. That's all we're doing here. <laughs> it is a terrible film, and I'm like the whole time I'm like, you know, they they kill his niece. You know, she she dies of an overdose on the way back from Mexico because she's been kidnapped in Mexico. There's all this wasted time with her looking for her father, which is the reason she goes to Mexico. And instead of having her father be involved with the you know sex traffickers and, and drug guys, uh, they have that be a different person. So you've wasted this time with dad and you're like, OK, well, maybe that's going to be a complication. No, not really. <laughs> Rambo goes, finds her anyway. I mean, it's. It is so bad there are all of these little false starts and things that just consume time in the film i have spent more time explaining about how bad this movie is than it would have taken for them to have write a better script i mean literally you could have hammered (laughs) out a better script in 15 minutes it is so bad oh it is
2: it is it is and i was looking forward to it too you know i um, oh yeah i
0: love sylvester stallone i really enjoy i I like every other one of those yeah yeah yeah, every other one of those movies are, 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 are really enjoyable. I enjoy the Rocky series. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there is – like I said, there's a certain bar of quality that you're going to achieve in a Sylvester Stallone joint, right? Not here. No. Yeah, this movie was terrible. <laughs> well, but OK. So I, 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 I have heard – oh, and also to indicate how much time I've had on my hands, The Irishman watched it. One wow. sitting. Oh. <laughs> Well, we did too. I will say we did too. That was good. But the thing about the
2: Irishman, um, you know, that's the Martin Scorsese, uh, Joe Pesci, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino film, is that it is excellent. But you feel every single minute of the three and a half hour
0: runtime. You're aging with Robert De Niro. (laughs)
2: Um, (laughs) You know, like here's the thing: I've I, because I've rewatched a lot of Martin Scorsese, leading up to Irishman, Uh and I will give him this. You know, because all his films are long, but they yes. all move at such a pace that you don't feel the length. Like *The Departed*, that movie oh. just rolls. You know, you feel every moment of the Irishman. You feel every moment of the Irishman.
0: Uh, and you know, I didn't feel like it was over long, except I think the the ending was maybe about five minutes too long. Uh, you know, where where it's Robert De Niro at the end of his life, but I, the the whole time, like I am never watching this again. <laughs> you exactly. know, as much as I enjoyed it, I, I love the acting. Joe Pesci was great in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Al Pacino, I, you know, one of the things that, about Al Pacino and Joe Pesci is they are both guys who benefit from strong directors mm-hmm. because yeah. if you let them off the leash, they will just go up and chew the scenery off the walls. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, and so when you've got guys like Al Pacino and Joe Pesci with a strong director like Scorsese, he knows how to hold them back and let them go mm-hmm. and that that's what i enjoyed so much
1: about this movie so we definitely uh everyone i've heard talk about the show said they felt the time uh-huh. uh i i've never seen anything by scorsese so i i haven't seen this i haven't seen anything else he's ever made so i can't really compare it to anything i think i've I only ever watched
0: i think i've only ever seen one scorsese flick i didn't like and that was uh the sequel to The Hustler, Money. What was that called? With uh, Tom Cruise.
2: I know what you're talking. Um, the 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 color of money. I think. Yes, color of money. That's what it was. Hated that movie,
0: and it's because of the the, the gimmicky camera shots that I can't stand in that yeah. film. Like you're following the uh, the the ball on the pool table. You know. Was that for I, I, I believe so.
1: Yeah,
2: you're probably right. Mm. It's, I mean, that was like thirty something years ago at this point. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's a pretty wide variety of things that you stream there, Aaron. Uh-huh. Uh, for, for me, over the course of this week, I watched uh, some of Lego Masters, which was a Hulu show that was a Lego building competition. Uh, the star of it is the guy that voiced Lego Batman in the Lego Batman movies. He's the host of the competition. And then I watched uh, season one of Titans. It's one of those... I knew I probably wasn't going to like season one, but I need to watch it so I can watch season two that has Crypto and Connor. And I watched episode one and it just had utter reaction of, you know, vitriol against the show, but the show gets a lot better as the season goes on. You know, by the end of the season, I was enjoying the show that first episode. I hated everything about it, but then I realized some things like uh you know, Robin is overly violent, is actually a plot point. That's right. something they're dealing with, and I enjoyed that. Starfire still is has nothing to do with the Starfire of the comics at this point. Uh, Beast Boy, they've changed quite a bit. They've changed most of the characters, and I'm usually fine with the changes. I just didn't like the dark tone they took with the series. It was too much for me for what I was looking for. But as the show got on, they did kind of lighten some of that up. And uh, I was, I enjoyed it. By the end of the season, my only other real complaint about it is the they've said that Titans and Doom Patrol are not in the same universe, which is why the Doom Patrol episode of Titans has some has a different actor, and there's no Beast Boy anywhere in Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol by far was the better show. Yeah, you know, I love Doom Patrol beginning to end. Uh, the other thing I've been watching over on uh, DC Universe is. I've gone through the first two seasons of Young Justice again, because I wanted to rewatch them before I start season three, which was the new season for DC Universe. And that show really still holds up. I loved, I marathoned through the first two two seasons of it. It was just such a good cartoon.
2: Well, I have been getting caught up on um, my Clone Wars. So season, I don't know, the most current season of Clone Wars uh, just came out or, well, I, sh- I should actually say is about nine weeks in on Disney+, Plus because I think the episode nine came out this week. Um, Star Wars Clone Wars is another one of those shows that starts off kind of rough, right? The first season or two, like, you're like, okay, it's good. Like, the animation's good, but, like, it's not, like, great, right? And then once Darth Maul comes into that show, that show takes off like a rocket and becomes so, so much better. Um, it is some of the best Star Wars fiction you know star wars representation out there i i adore the clone wars um this new season has been very good um and they are wrapping up the story right so the clone wars is about to catch up with the with revenge of the sith um and so they they started the the final four-parter this last season is is three four-parters um so 12 episodes total episode nine came out the start of the first of the last thing and they're basically producing it like a movie and I got to say, the the animation on it, you know, uh, you know, the characters look like animated characters like the humans and, you know, the, and the aliens and stuff. But when it's just the ship battles um, or just stormtroopers on screen, it looks as good as anything in the movies. It is uh, really theatrical worthy animation and writing and special effects and just really, really fantastic. Um, you know, I, it's hard to recommend for anyone who hasn't seen it, doesn't have an investment in the characters um but this final four-parter uh is something that fans have been looking forward to for a while the siege of mandalore um it has a a lot of hints as to what eventually comes of darth maul from you know han solo how he got there uh how uh you know leads into rebels leads into revenge of the sith um, explains why ahsoka lived through order 66 um, as well as uh, kind of sets up some things that pay off in the Mandalorian as well. There's some ties there. So it's, it's just a, I'm, I'm really looking forward to to seeing that wrap up. And I also started checking out a show that's um, I think about to start its third season, uh, Yellowstone. Have either of you heard of that one?
0: I am familiar with it. I, I haven't seen it. What streaming service is that on?
2: Uh, actually, I bought the first season a while back. Um, oh, okay. So mm. I don't I don't know if it's available on a streaming service, but it it, it airs on the Paramount Network. And so uh, writer director Taylor Sheridan. Uh, if you're not familiar with Taylor Sheridan, he it wasn't he he's he started as an actor. Um, he was uh, Danny Boyd in Veronica Mars. He was David Hale in Sons of Anarchy. Uh. Um, but he has a very I don't know if it's his, you know I haven't done as much research on him. I don't know if it's his lineage or he just has a fascination with kind of that Montana. Uh, American Indian um, yeah. life, uh, you know, way of life. And so he has written and he has written and or directed Sicario and the sequel um, Wind River. Um, he did a movie called Hell or High Water that had a uh, Chris Pine, I think, mm-hmm. in it. Um, you know, he, he's, he's not,
0: Hell or High Water is a great movie. Yeah, and I really he, enjoyed that. Yeah,
2: he wrote that one. And he's, he's a, and if you haven't seen Sicario one and two, those movies are so good. Um, So he writes and directs this show. It's a it's um, it's kind of a a family drama. Um, It has Kevin Costner is the main guy. Cole Hauser's in it. Uh, Wes Bentley, Kelly Riley, Luke Grimes, Danny Houston, like a lot of famous people. And it's about kind of it's about a rancher. And an Indian reservation and also a land developer that are kind of vying for the same land. And they're all horrible people who do horrible things. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So on top of being like this family drama, it's also kind of a crime drama. It's not a feel good thing, but it is so, so well acted. And I'm a big Kevin Costner fan. Um. So I I really do recommend it. If you're, you know, you're not gonna feel good coming out of it. You know, I, I w- <laughs> <laughs> you know I feel like a, you know I was talking to Jen um about it because we really like Ozark, which is another show about bad people doing bad things.
0: I, I don't care for Ozark at all.
2: Really, I like Ozark.
0: I, I see. I like I like shows like Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, which is bad people doing bad things. But there's something about Ozark that just depresses me.
2: Well, I feel like Yellowstone, and maybe Yellowstone's (laughs) more your alley, maybe because I feel like the one thing that Yellowstone doesn't have that that Ozark does is a sense of humor. And I think Ozark just uh, Yellowstone takes itself very seriously. You're not going to like come out of it like, oh, that was funny," (laughs) you know, like, you know, oh, those awkward moments. No, it's it's very serious.
1: Yeah, yeah. I uh, I, I'm not a fan of. bad guys doing bad things shows, but I watched one other show, and this would be... I was going to hold this one back because Tim isn't here for it. Because it's a horrible show, but I enjoyed it. And uh, there's a wrestler named Big Show. Yeah. He has a sitcom now on Netflix Oh yeah, called The Big Show Show, <laughs> where he's he is playing himself, and he's... Uh, they've cast his family to be on... Not like his actual family. They have people playing his wife and his kids in a sitcom situation where he's retired from wrestling and he's raising his daughters. The show is horrible and I loved every minute of it. It is (laughs) corny and cheesy and I just loved it. I think Tim would probably get a kick out. Out of it too. You know that's some is, shit,
2: right? When you go home to your wife and you're like, "Hey, honey, they're gonna make a show about me playing me and my family," and his wife's like, "Oh, really? We're gonna be on TV? Well, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're gonna recast you and the kids." <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, uh, you know, there's a there's a show out. I haven't seen it, but I heard about it uh, this week. That is just right up Paul's alley, and it's called Murder House Flip. And it's at one of those uh, real estate shows where they go and you know buy a house, fix it up, flip it. The uh, thing is, is that it's a house, it's a murder house. You know, so, something terrible has happened in this home, and they quote destigmatize the house and you know flip it as an investment. And I knew that this was right up Paul's alley. Uh, and it's on the uh, new streaming service called Quibi. And I if you're not familiar Quibi. with that. Yeah, I, I, like, again, yeah, I don't have it. I haven't watched it, but apparently, Quibi is all about really short videos. Yeah, like, like ten minute, minute episodes, long videos. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. I, I you know, it's Murder some, House Flip. Murder House Flip, and they have a, a show called Fifty States of Terror that kind of interests uh-huh. me. Um, and I, I don't know. I it's another streaming service, right? And it's an and it's another eight dollars. And you know that that kind of brings me to the the stream one of the streaming services that I wanted to briefly talk about, which is HBO Max. Um, I think that's scheduled to go live later this year. And, uh, you know, they, they announced this week that J.J. Abrams, who, who signed a deal with Warner Brothers a little while back, um, you know, big deal with Warner Brothers, to develop content for them. And everyone's like, oh, J.J. Abrams is going to do Superman. And he still may, you know. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, at least right now he's going to be developing a couple of television products for them, including the Overlook Hotel which i believe will probably be an anthology series uh kind of a prequel to the the shining and uh the justice league dark it, yeah you know, they announced that he would be developing a series based on that which you know i i think could be very interesting
0: yeah i'm 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 excited about it um i think that uh I think you're going to be better off getting a Justice League Dark television series than a Justice League Dark live action se- uh, film, yeah. right? Because you know, I think JLD is is kind of niche in in in, uh, in the comics culture, mm. uh, but you know, I, I think that could be really cool. And if they're going to do it on the streaming services, it gives them the ability to be a little bit more horrific than mm. you might be in terms of a you know a WB or something or a CW. Um it's just too bad that I, two
2: of the characters couldn't hold their own show, right? Constantine and Swamp Thing. Right. <laughs> Both come yeah. from canceled
0: yeah. TV shows. Yeah. And I still well, think it wasn't
1: fairly yeah, Swamp Thing wasn't fairly canceled. It was canceled before the first episode dropped. Really, well, fair.
0: I don't really understand that in terms of streaming service. But you know, uh, HBO Max, at least before the Rona hit, was supposed to debut in May. I haven't heard when it, when it's going to launch now. I don't know if it's been delayed, but it seems like this is the right atmosphere in which to launch your streaming service.
2: Yeah, but only if you're going to have yeah. original content, right? So hopefully right. they had some stuff in the in the can because if they're if they're method was going to be continuing to film, you know, release shows weekly, kind of the, the CBS all access model, um, the Disney plus model, then, you know, your shit's not, (laughs) you know, you have half produced shows that, you know, you need to launch with new content. We've certainly seen that Disney plus, as soon as Mandalorian ended, it was like, womp, womp. Yeah. Um, You know, I think that that's a lesson learned and I'm sure all streaming services are doing well right now. You hear that Netflix, you know, the stock on Netflix is worth more than the stock of Disney right now. Um, That's and that stuff will all change around because Netflix has such a shitty business model um, <laughs> that, you know, as soon as as soon as the economy turns back around and parks are back open and Disney can start producing and releasing movies again, you know, Netflix will will go back into the poor because, you know, they, they, they definitely don't have a yeah. profitable business
1: model. Yeah, Disney is hurting bad right now. Mm-hmm. With all of their revenue streams outside of like Disney Plus shut down, they, you know, they're having to lay people off. It's not good over at Disney.
2: Well, you know, that actually brings us to the pandemic news this week, right? So, or pandemic comic-related news, I should say. Uh, you know, we talked we've talked the last couple weeks about comic shops and and keeping you know comic shops. Some comic shops are staying open, figuring out creative ways to stay open and distribute uh, comics to their customers even though they there isn't new stuff coming out um well this week creators for comics uh was uh, basically any creator you can think of uh artist writer whatever uh went out on twitter which is a, a really shitty website to do your 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 auctioning <laughs> um and, and and offered something you know and and 100 percent of the proceeds went to comic shops so artists like Greg capullo jim lee brian hitch Um, You know, writers like Scott Snyder, Tom King, Tom Taylor, they all, Brian Michael Bendis, Kelly Sue DeConnick, Matt Fraction, they all offered something, whether it was, hey, let's have drinks over Zoom, or I'm going to teach you how to write first issues, or here is this amazing, (laughs) like, uh, Greg Capullo had an amazing art print of Clayface. Um, you know they all offered something, and all the proceeds went to comic. You know, would go to. Uh, I think there was. I don't know the name of the the foundation, um, but you know the, the the proceeds would go towards supporting comic shops in this in these tough times. And you know some things. And our friend of the podcast, Ron Marsh, had a um, you know a thing out there. Uh, Matthew Modine, oddly enough, had a you know Stranger Things uh, you know package that that he signed. Uh, you know out there.
1: And it, my it, favorite was Chips Zerdersky. Off shooting off an original erotic short story featuring you yeah, that, that, <laughs> that he'll read to awesome. you essentially via zoom
0: <laughs> I, I thought that was great <laughs> um
2: you know the, the thing about it is uh you know I, other it seems from what i saw it was very lucrative you know some things were more lucrative than others obviously there's a lot of stuff out there and unfortunately twitter being what it is you know you click a a hashtag there and there's just so much stuff there it's hard to really get a grasp Um, I, I found that the items that I would have been interested in Got a bit too rich for my blood very quickly, which is great. Yeah. Great for great mm-hmm. for comic shops. Great for the creators. Great for the people who who were willing to bid. You know, six hundred dollars to get Jason Aaron on their podcast, or uh, you know, two thousand dollars for that great Capullo clayface drawing. Um, it just was a little bit more than I was willing to to commit to. Um, but you know, it, it seemed it seems like it was rather successful.
1: Yeah, I yeah, had I the wondered... same reaction, Paul. Things got so expensive so quickly there was no way i was going to bid on any of it because by the time i even looked at something it was already a couple hundred over what i was willing to spend
0: i wonder how much money you can truly raise to for that to be a benefit right yeah you know, when you think of there's over 2000 comic shops in the nation how much money can you raise that's you know that you're only that you're going to be sending them 10 bucks each yeah. you know what i'm saying i'm curious about that
2: you know cuz i mean here's the thing i think you can keep a comic shop open you know, since they don't have any overhead for um, probably 10 grand a month, maybe, you know, for employee salaries and stuff like that, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Um, but you know, that's still that, you know, that with 2000 comic shops, you know, that's not, you know, that that's a lot of money that you got to raise. You know, I hope it seems like it was successful. Hopefully people pay their, you know, the, the what they want. And and that money gets to comic shops quickly, Uh, even though, you know, a couple of of other news items that are affecting comic shops this week, uh, comics distribution updates, you know, uh, well, we'll, we'll, you know, DC put out there that they have figured out an alternative distribution method through DCBS, um, the Discount Comic Distribution Service or something like that. I have bought
0: I have bought trade paperbacks from them before,
2: as well as comics. you know, so these are these are online ordering services that that and, you know get such big supplies that they are able to you know distribute at, at discounted rates. And I
0: have been to Midtown Comics before, mm-hmm. so I've done business with both of these organizations.
2: Now, um, you know, D, now what DC is offering through those distribution services is not the 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 highest quality and i shouldn't say not highest quality but the the big their biggest sellers are not being distributed through there so they have like you know the batman 89 third printing you know green lantern flash but they're certainly not distributing the superman books the batman books um you know the, their their largest titles anything basically over a hundred thousand or fifty thousand print run was not going through them but you know they, they wanted to distribute something to comic shops that are staying open, um, you know, to, and Jim Lee actually said this uh, on a, he was on a Kevin Smith podcast the other night that there are comic shops that are still open and trying and trying to stay in business. And they wanted to come up with some way to get them comics in order to help them, um, you know, to, in order to, you know, to give them new content to, to release to their customers. Yeah. And so DC found this method. Now um, some, com- I, some comic shops are, are excited for it. Uh, there are others that are very anti um, this method they're either you know hardcore diamond people they're stuck with the old ways or they they are rather offended that you know dc is distributing these comics through what they normally consider competitors right midtown yeah. comics and discount comic you know book service or whatever um are, are con- technically competitors right because there's it like amazon they're selling discounted product um, because they are available in bulk yeah kind of like going to barnes and noble versus going to you know your local bookstore
0: well, and and Midtown also has brick and mortar, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so you know, you're that, that's literally a competitor. Whereas, you know, DCBS, I would argue, is a is, sells the same kind of product, but is not occupying the same space.
2: Yeah.
0: Right. Um, so, but you know, Midtown, you know, legit offers the same kind of community that uh, that other retailers do. Yeah.
2: So it's been, you know, it's been mixed. I don't know if, I don't know if comic shops will participate. You know, I think some will, some won't. Um, you know, it, it's it's kind of appalling the, the folks that are not interested or that are actually upset about it. I get, you know, the the competition thing, but, you know, I think those are just places with better business models that have found success. And, you know, I, I think DC is not looking at it just from a financial revenue standpoint, because I I will tell you, Warner Brothers doesn't give a shit. At and T <laughs> doesn't give a shit. You right. know, the money, the money produced by DC Comics is not lucrative enough that Warner that At and T is is losing sleep over figuring out how to distribute the Batman 89 third printing to comic right. shops. You know, um, I, I do think this is DC genuinely trying to do something for those comic shops that are staying open.
0: You know, the articles that I've read online about it. Uh, would suggest just based on feedback that you're seeing that no comic book shop is happy about this because the only feedback I'm seeing in online articles is people who are pissed off about it.
1: I bet Midtown's pretty happy.
0: Well, and and I would think you know if I'm a retailer out there and I I am struggling to uh, get people to you know engage in curbside service. Um, I would think new product would help you with that, and with all new product being locked down by by Diamond's closure, um, I would I would be happy to get product any way I can. I don't understand
1: that. Is this new product though? Because they talked about like third printings and second printings.
2: Yeah, I mean there is some new product, right? There's the new issues of Flash and Green Lantern and a couple of other books. I mean, so there is some new product, but it's not the top sellers. DC's right. not that dumb, right? They know and and, and honestly, the new issue of Batman, 230,000 copies of it because it has punchline in it. So that it was already a, a big seller is literally sitting in Diamond's warehouses right now. So yeah. they're not going to, you know, do that elsewhere. They're waiting for Diamond right. to reopen. Um, you know, I think one of the most appalling comments that I read from a comic shop is that uh, DC and and I don't want and I feel bad misquoting this, um, but you can go to Newsarama I think is where the article is. But the exact but the quote was something along the lines of um, DC Comics stopped being the direct market's favorite publisher when they began yeah. the Walmart deal. And I found that real you know don't get me wrong, the Walmart thing pissed me off, but mostly because it was hard for me to find. But yeah. the fact that d- that di- the direct market found that Walmart deal offensive to them just because dc put some some original content out there for you know, original
0: to, content that that was limited to walmart for a period of time yeah right i
2: i found that interesting that 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 comic shops actually well at least this one guy um who, who commented on it found that offensive and i'm like really like that's how i discovered comics is from walden books or uh-huh. you know um the, the the ones in the the mall you know the spinner rack you know method yeah. of, of comics and that's what brought me to a comic shop i didn't walk into a
1: comic shop just that my first comic was not purchased in a comic shop yeah yeah same here same here the first yeah. one i personally paid for i bought it at a target when target and walmart used to have individual books uh, the, the, the corner
0: convenience store is where I, I bought my first comic or I should yeah. say stole my first comic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, 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 we've said this before on the show, everybody benefits from more comic book readers. And the way you get more comic book readers is by making it available in other places. And I always come back to this. You should be able to buy comics at the drugstore. You know, when you when you go to pick up your prescription or your bottle of NyQuil because you're not feeling well, one of the things that's gonna make you feel better is (laughs) Spider-Man. You know, get Spider Man, grab Superman. You those are those are things that I mean, I remember my mom would buy me a stack of comics when I was sick. You're really sort of encouraging me to be sick (laughs) you know (laughs) i i remember i remember i fondly remember those circumstances when mom would come home with a stack of comics for me um i i don't know i don't understand why the direct market is afraid of that because the 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 well i think that there, you're still going to have direct market exclusives because that's where the where the the money is going to be. But why the hell would you be
1: afraid of somebody discovering comic books anywhere else? Well, because there are two types of five of customers, Aaron. There is the reader and there's the collector. And based on the comments I see out there from the comic book store owners, most of them, their business comes from the the reader could be reading it digitally. They could be getting From Amazon, they may read what they collect, but they're buying it because it's a collector. And that's where their real focus is, is they're focused on bringing people into the hobby as collectors. And if there's new content that is disposable coming out from Walmart, they're bringing people in as readers. Which is good for the industry overall, but doesn't do anything for the comic. I think their fears are very unfounded, and I think that the more customers are out there as a total pool is better for everyone and better for the industry, but it's definitely a dichotomy there of they are focused entirely on, on the collector. That's what, where they get their money versus I, Walmart is focused on the reader. I truly believe that fear is a bad business
0: model. And mm-hmm. um, and I, I, and I, I, and I, I completely, I completely agree with what you're saying, Wayne, but you know, the way you tra- you create more collectors is, is by transitioning those readers. And the way you engage those readers is by having them fall in love with those characters and wanting more and distributing something that nobody else has, you know, uh, uh, artist signings, you know, writer conversations. You, 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 You introduce them to your community. I'll never forget my first comic book shop. You know, after I had bought comics at every corner convenience store I could find, <laughs> you know, because, you know, back in those days, you never knew it was going to be on the spin rack. Yeah. Right. And, you know, when you found that comic shop, it was like, holy shit, you mean comics come out every week and that I, I can get exactly what I'm looking for. That's the that's one of the
1: key benefits of a comic book shop. Yeah, my first was inside of a video store. It was a quarter of the video store that they called corner cards and comics and (laughs) uh it was right next door to the laundromat so my mom would go to the laundromat on saturday and i would go next door to the video store into the comics corner and that's where i first found my my first quarter bin and and i i think that's something that they're missing is that every collector maybe not every but most started off as a read the first books we bought we didn't take care of yeah yeah,
0: unless you're a speculator, you start off as a reader, right? Um, I, I I, I, really believe that the way you get folks excited about the direct market again is by bringing in new blood. Because really, I, the audience just continues to age. And yeah, comics I mean, get more expensive because uh, you don't have enough people reading them to generate generate the profit you need to have such stellar talent because you know let's let's face it uh artwork is better than it's ever been in comic books uh the writing is almost as best as it's ever been Mm um I, i you we have incredible talent it used to be you had a handful of guys making the good comic books and they're a stellar talent all over the place. And the only way you can support that is by either making the cover price ridiculously expensive. And honestly, I feel like comics is pricing themselves out, out of an industry uh, or adding more readers to be able to absorb those costs.
2: Yeah. You know, you don't see uh, bookstores complaining. Uh, I mean, I'm sure they complain about Amazon and things like that, but I don't know. It's just, inter- it's, it's just an interesting um, model, right? Because I think you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. Because mm-hmm. you find that the speculate like comic shops aren't particularly fond of the speculator market either, right? Because they, right. they you know ten thousand people will show up at their store trying to get the death of Captain America because they think it's going to be put their kids through college, and they don't have you know they they didn't receive enough warning to, to order enough copies or or you know they they you know they're not ready ready for it, and then those don't turn into repeat business, um, you know, and they're upset about that, and then you have the alternative of. But don't give it up. But don't give content elsewhere. We still want it. We, you know, and we and we want to support the collector market more than the reader market. It's just interesting. You know, it's an interesting yeah. model. Um, I think, uh, you know, we we've talked about this a few weeks now. Um, just about you know what the market will look like after, and uh, and hopefully Diamond did say that they are expecting to ship new product come mid May. So, you know, less than a month from now, I think we may have some new comics, at least for the comic stores that are reopening, staying open, that kind of thing. Um, you know, as as areas, you know, as they, they, they build out this phased approach for reintroducing businesses, uh, you know, I think if you're in an area where the n- number of new cases has slowed down, I, I do think your comic shop may reopen for curbside pickup, things like that.
1: and, and was... the, uh, the content they have right now at Diamond's Warehouse, they have some major books that were ready to be released that are just sitting in boxes ready to go. So it may not be getting back to weekly quite yet, but when they do open up, they have a backlog to ship out.
0: I'm amazed at the loyalty to diamond, uh, by the retailers, to be too. perfectly honest. Uh, you know, I, I, saw comments like, you know, diamonds, a family business and we're loyal to diamond. And I'm like, you know, you've got one, one place in this supply chain you've got a choke point and you know <laughs> all i can think about is is my six sigma training and knowing that in a production cycle this is something that you would not have you know yeah. that, that that you would say no. you know this this is a place where everything's going to bog down and absolutely that's what's happened here
1: well and i've seen other uh, shop owners say you know the i can't remember the name of the guy that owns uh, diamond but they've said, you know, this guy has saved my business countless times. I have no idea how he saved their business, but right, people claim that and they have this huge loyalty to it. And it's interesting because before this, it seems like everybody hated Diamond. They hated the monopoly, that they hated the service they were getting from them. But suddenly you talk about using someone else and Diamond is their best friend. If, if I'm a Disney or an at and I'm going to look at this
0: going, you know, this can't happen again. And I know we talked about, you know, the, the, the money they're, they're pulling in uh, comics printing is not, not, a, not enough for the AT&T's and the Disney's of the world to really take notice of. But I think that, you know, they, they're looking at it as an idea factory that launches their, their very profitable video games, television shows, and feature film franchises. Um, you can't interrupt that stream. And I would hope that guys like AT&T and Disney are figuring out different distribution channels uh, so that their si- supply chain is not interrupted like this again.
2: Well, and you make a good point, And this actually brings me to the kind of the last topic that I skipped over, but it works better now, um, ah. which is about looking at the future, right? Which is about the looking future. At the future, um, you know, doing things, you know, examining a different model that maybe still gets content out, still gets product out. Um, you know, a, a, apparently releasing digital first is just not going to happen. So, okay, fine. Whatever. You know, DC DC's looking at alternative distribution methods. Hopefully, Disney is as well. Um, you know, San Diego Comic-Con is canceled this year. They announced that it would be canceled. Uh, you know, it makes sense, you know, if you if you if you're sitting in your home right now and have been for for 5 plus weeks, you're kind of wondering, well, do I really want to be in a room with 20,000 people in 3 months from now? Um, you know, you know there's already a con crud could you imagine if it's a con rona club you know crud uh, you know it's one of those things but i think for for conventions like that and unfortunately star wars celebration which is scheduled which is still on the schedule but for a month later um the question becomes okay you canceled your convention but if we are able to slowly reopen things, if you're able to start restart production on movies, restart production and distribution of comics, why, why can't you have it online? Why can't you, you know, have digital panels scheduled throughout a weekend, you know, mm-hmm. either on a, you know, television, that's certainly hurting for new content, you know, online distribution, um, you know, whether it's a YouTube channel or DC Universe. You know, um, you know, but releasing that content online, digital panels with creators, um, online dealer room, online dealer room, you know, things like that. I think that is a a method to still have something, you know, uh, to, to, to have all that big news that everyone looks forward to at San Diego Comic Con, releasing exclusives simultaneously on these websites that had already been planning for, you know, whether it's Funko or Diamond um, Select Toys or whoever does, you know their uh, exclusive stuff for these conventions, you know it could still be a really big virtual event. And hopefully, you know I, I doubt San Diego Comic Con's looking at it. They certainly didn't say anything in their press release, but I do think that is a real way for Disney. You could put all that shit on Disney Plus, have a live streaming, you know Disney Plus Star Wars celebration all weekend long. Kind of thing.
1: I know Wizard World's been doing some of these panels. They still haven't canceled the St. Louis show. And that's in June. I'm expecting it to cancel. And I'm waiting for it. Because I have a booth there. And I don't know what that's going to mean. But they still haven't canceled yet. Despite doing some of these virtual things. Some of the big gaming conventions. Have started doing virtual. So Origins is pushed back. till later in the year. And they're hosting a big online gaming convention at the original dates that they were going to have theirs. Uh, fear the con obviously isn't happening this year. We're hosting an online convention called fear the con line at the same time. It works well for gaming. I had been wondering about that. Like, how do you do that for comic book ones? is a big part right? of a comic like, book convention for me. Well, I mean, a big part of the comic book convention for me is walking around the floor and seeing the stuff. Yeah. So you'd lose that. But the, Content the the guest stars you were going to have in the panels you could definitely all do online. I would watch the shit out of it. I got to tell you, yeah, um, you know, virtual w- when um, when I couldn't go
2: to a panel in Star Wars Celebration last year uh, because you know th- some I, sometimes there's a panel that I want to see that's simultaneous to another panel or one yeah. of the things that I really liked about Star Wars Celebration last year in Chicago and the reason I'm talking about it so much is because it was this week last year um, in Chicago. Um, You know, they had a virtual queuing system, like a lottery, and you knew ahead of time for the big panels if you were getting in or not. It eliminated, they they said no overnight queuing, you know, basically like you're going to be notified a week ahead of time if you're getting into that panel, into the episode nine panel or not. So, you know, that was really great um you know and then you know they they still found ways to to reward those people who showed up in line a little bit early you know for i was in the jj abrams um episode nine panel he bought he had special happy meals and hats for everyone in line for episode nine things like that um but any panel that i wasn't able to get into like they had a, a star wars uh star wars land disney star wars land panel that i wasn't able mm-hmm. to get into all that content was made available online was streaming for free, the Mandalorian panel. And I was able to watch that online. Um, and I love that. And so I think there, there's still a method to do that. You, you put all the actors in a room, you can actually have better production values than you would, mm-hmm. um, you know, because you could actually film some of that stuff ahead of time.
0: Well, and I'm a big fan of the Hall H videos from San Diego Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I watch the shit out of that stuff when it comes out. So, yeah, I think there's absolutely a market for it. And I think Disney is extremely well positioned, uh, given the fact that they've got that streaming service. I think if you publicized, hey, we're going to have you know Star Wars Celebration digitally this year. I think that would just give even more people reasons to subscribe to disney
1: Mm plus yeah because i think there's a lot of them out there like me that i want to go to these panels i will not wait in line for overnight or anything crazy like that yeah that's insane and i don't want to be i don't want to be in that crowded auditorium. that's uncomfortable
2: and could you imagine it now given
1: the option yeah i mean given the option if i'm not going to be able to ask a question anyway because i'm not going to be near the front then I'd rather just watch it online. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, we'll see how the things play out over these next few months. Hopefully, you know, I, I've, I'm, not, I'm certainly not the only one with this idea being tossed out there. Hopefully San Diego Comic-Con, um, even if they don't do something themselves, comic uh, companies, movie companies will find ways to uh, to still use that weekend as a big news weekend. Um, you know, because I do think by July... A lot of these things that are currently shut down, movie productions, that kind of thing, they may, I I do think that they'll, you know, they'll test people they'll take their temperatures, that kind of thing. But I do think a lot of stuff will go back into production by then because that's more of a controlled environment.
0: Well, you know, we'd love to know what you think about everything we've talked about today. Uh, You know, what are your big ideas around how we relaunch comics after the Rona? Give us a call at 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll want a coveted, valuable ideology of madness surprise. Paul, how else can they reach out? Yeah, you can
2: also hit us up on social media, IOMGeek on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter.
0: Awesome. Well, guys, you stay well, and we will talk to you next time. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.